What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 44 of the Joe Ciccarelli Show. This week's episode is a, another sales conversation with Jordana Zeldin. I think I pronounced that right, Jordana. It's funny, I've like, uh, I think I pronounced Jordana's name Jordana, then I asked her and said it was Jordana, and then I checked the beginning of my podcast before I started this intro, and it was Jordana. Um, and then I started the intro and said Jordana, so I had to like restart it like twice. It's been a long day. It's uh, after 4th of July weekend trying to get my head back in, trying to get my head back in the game. But um, this was a good episode to do it. Really, really enjoyable. I really, um, well, I, you guys know how it works at this point. I'm going to let you guys listen to the episode. Stick around at the end. I'll give my takeaways. Uh, Jordana and I connected on LinkedIn and um, hit it off. Chatted for a while before we talked, chatted for a while after we talked. She's just a great person, really doing great things. Look forward to um, letting you guys listen to this episode, and I'll chat you on the other side. Jordana, welcome to the Joe Ciccarelli Show. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to uh, have a conversation today. So um, obviously, I've been following you on LinkedIn, and we kind of connected on there. And the first thing that kind of caught my eye was um, your background in CTI, so Coaches Training Institute. I have done some of that, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, maybe you can give us a little background on what you thought of CTI and a little bit background about yourself and where you're at today. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be happy to. So in terms of just like the, the, how did I get to where I am now story? Um, I intended at the start of my career to be in the art world first as a theater director. And later I was running an arts nonprofit and representing artists and ultimately selling art. And, uh, the way that I was brought into the B2B sales fold was through uh, a venture-backed art technology startup called Artsy, and they sold online visibility and access to collectors to galleries and needed somebody for their sales team who had some experience working in and, and with gallerists, and, and I did. So um, I, I joined the sales team there, felt very strange early on in my career about selling, wasn't sure it was for me. Um, didn't feel comfortable really with the idea of being a salesperson. Um, and about a year and a half in, we got a really dynamic, emotionally intelligent, seasoned sales leader who helped me to marry who I am when I wasn't selling to who I could be when I was selling. And I started to feel connected to myself, connected to my work. Um, and I started to soar as a seller and Got better results. I was the top seller on the team for years running and was very excited once I figured out what I was doing as a seller to similarly, uh, you know, coach and enable others to connect with themselves and connect with their prospects and ultimately to find a lot of meaning and joy in this work. So I caught the coaching bug, decided mm -hmm. that I liked coaching even more than I did you know, selling and making my own sales wins and decided to move into coaching full time. Um, I joined an amazing coaching and training organization called Sales Gym following Artsy and then COVID hit and I was laid off and the founders split and I was faced with the choice. Do I want to go in-house or to another training organization or start my own consultancy and ultimately decided on the latter. Um, and I've been doing that now for 10 months. And in terms of CTI, I was just really excited to have some tried and tested coaching tools in my toolkit because I've always been a very intuitive coach, um, coaching in a way that felt right, but I had never had any 
official coach training. And I felt that it was important to to get oriented in what coaching with a capital C really is so I could be more effective with, with my clients and the teams that I work with. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. I feel like um, a big part of going through the coaching training was just putting an, a, a label or a name to things that I already kind of intuitively knew, but it was like, okay, this is what this is called in the coaching world. Yeah. And when you kind of look at sales, it's kind of similar in a sense. Like it's like, there's a lot of things that like intuitively make sense, but it's helpful to label them or name them. Do you kind of find that as well? Or how do you, how do you approach that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, that's, what's so interesting is that, you know, as I've been kind of traveling down the selling path, a big part of what I've realized, and I know we talked about this a little bit before we recorded, is that like the most effective selling skills work as skills because they are innate in us as human beings and are just the rules of the road of human relationships. And I think a trap that a lot of people run into is they think that selling is something other than them or that they have to leave themselves behind in order to sell effectively. But really, as you say, I think it's about labeling and bringing some awareness to what people intuitively know about building trust and credibility and being a helpful human being in relationships. And I think that the best sellers have the strongest awareness of what those relationship rules are and are able to leverage and kind of harness the the skills and abilities, just again, innate human abilities to meet those fundamental human needs at every stage in the sales conversation. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I completely yeah. agree with you. So how do you deal with like someone that, how do you deal with the age old, like, you know, you got to kind of move people through a sales process. You got to like get someone from point A to point B. Um, I mean, some people in sales are really aggressive. So like, how do you feel like this way of connecting with people, which is such a ridiculous question, but I just want to hear you talk more about it. How do you feel like that provides similar results to someone who's a lot more or, you know, outcome focused that knows, yeah. all right, when they say this, I say that when they say this, I say that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. And I know we went back and forth about this on LinkedIn. Like I do believe in a sales process and there is, that's right. We did. There is a series of steps en route to a destination. The only thing is, is that you can't push anyone to where they don't want to go. And a big part of what sellers miss because they're so outcome driven and that outcome is usually a close that they cease to be curious about a prospect situation, their circumstances, their needs, so that when it comes time to make the recommendation, let's say to you know, purchase whatever service, they're not able to ground it in anything that they've learned about their prospect. But every sales conversation, I would say, follows a process. It's like there's a first five minutes of a conversation. Like typically, maybe there's some small talk at the start. Maybe there isn't. I don't feel like small talk is essential for the conversation. Then great sellers help to set expectations with a really good collaborative agenda. From mm -hmm. there, they might give you know, a quick top line summary of what they do, or they might go right into discovery to find out about like what's going on with the prospect and their world and their needs and their circumstances and their challenges. They usually summarize. And then from there, when they're talking about their product, because that's what the prospect is curious about, they're tying it back to everything they learned in discovery before making a recommendation to either, and this is really important, buy or not buy. 
And what I mean by that is that it's our job as consultants, really, as sellers to determine as well if our product is a fit for these these prospects based on what they tell us. And sometimes it isn't. And for us to say, you know what, I so appreciate your sharing all of this with me. And I'm realizing that like the, the, the needs that our product can meet, you don't have. So let me recommend X product is a really powerful thing to do as a seller. Yeah. It's a great way to build trust. Yeah. Do you, um, how do you think, what's the, applicability behind that um everything you're saying like if i'm and i agree and i think people listening is like that sounds awesome but i think there's also that like motor running in the back of our head that's like all right but like i need to get this you know i need to keep moving i need to hit my number i need to do this like how do people relax into a conversation how do you help people with that yeah it's such a good question i mean so i think part of it is connected to prospecting well and really identifying like who is my target client, who is my ICP here, mm. and targeting your outreach to that, you know, to that prospect appropriately, so that you're not just selling to anyone, and you know, in any industry who might might or might not have any need for your product. Um, but I think a lot of it is also like systematic. Um, historically, the sales field industry is very outcome driven very closing driven. And I think there are a lot of folks in sales leadership who are pushing their sellers to be that way. And look, selling is the second least trusted profession in the world. That's the problem. Uh, The first... I think the first is like politician or something. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. But that's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, Gartner recently came out with a study saying that like, you know, there's going to be more and more AI in selling and that sellers are eventually going to be replaced. But if people are moving and and actually a a kind of friend and, and mentor of mine, Todd Capone talks about this in his book, the transparency sale, like, if people like to shop online, what are the things about the online experience that we can bring in and offer in our person-to-person selling? And one of those things is transparency. Yeah, that's very true. Like when you're looking at a product, you see the good reviews and the bad reviews side by side. What if we talk about our product not as though it's perfect and in a fulfill all their hopes and dreams, but also proactively surface some of the challenges with our product? What does that do for trust? Yeah. Well, I guess I'd never heard it quite that way, but that's, that's really true. I mean, like when you go buy something online, you really look for reviews and you probably in some ways look for the bad reviews more than the good ones. Cause you want to know what, what could go wrong. Um, and that's an interesting thought to bring that into the sales process because there's so much non-transparency. Um, there's a sense of like trust that you need to have in yourself to be able to do that sort of like it's, I guess, trust, confidence, but it's kind of scary to almost be be vulnerable in a sales call because that's what you're doing, right? So vulnerability is something I talk about a lot. And vulnerability is so vital for building trust between human beings outside of the selling conversation. Why do we think that it has no place inside the selling conversation? I think you really hit the nail on the head that it is important to show our vulnerability. And we can do that, you know, 
as a human being, like if someone, if our prospect asked a question and we don't know the answer, maybe we've never even heard that question before, rather than feeling like we need to posture and kind of tread water and furiously come up with some version of an answer that we think is going to do, it's totally acceptable to say, you know what? I'm so glad you asked that question. I've never heard anybody ask that question before. <laughs> Let me talk to my manager. Let me talk to my team and come back to you. That's an example of just like realness, authenticity, vulnerability that your prospect is going to appreciate. And that will send a signal to them that they in turn can be more open and vulnerable with you. And if we're wanting to get a real sense of the honest state of their union and their circumstances and their problems, we're going to need them to open up in that way to us. Yeah, a hundred percent. What kind of questions generally do you like to kind of, and I know it varies, but like when you get into like discovery, I think just discovery is, and you kind of said something, I forget what it was, but at the beginning of this call, you're when, when you're tying back things you learn in discovery to your solution. And so often it's like, and I, I see this in myself less and less now as I get more and more effective at sales, but you go to sit down, you go to put a presentation together and you're like, what do I, if I'm in that person's shoes, what do I want to hear about? And then you, when you can't answer that question, you probably haven't discovered enough about them. You probably don't know enough, right? So what sort of questions in, in, in general, do you like to ask during discovery that you think help um, create that container of comfort or vulnerability or trust? Yeah, that I mean, that's a good question. And what I want to first say, and then we can kind of loop back, is that discovery doesn't have to live in a container. The purpose, yeah. you know, as sellers. It happens throughout need, the process. Yeah, we've got to stay yeah. curious. And like, you know, maybe we've done a great job like asking about, you know, let's say their current situation and what's hat. Let's so for me, I'm a sales trainer and a coach. So like, how is your team doing? Like, where are the where are the the places where you feel that they're soaring? Where are things getting stuck? What have you done to try to address those issues? Where do you ideally want to be? Or like, how do you imagine? Have you had the opportunity to quantify? Um, you know how this lack of X skill or this bottleneck that's been created is actually impacting your numbers. Where would you like, you know, to be by the end of the quarter? So really getting a sense of, you know, kind of current situation and then like future situation is really mm -hmm. important. Yeah. Digging in deeper to, to ask them how they're perceiving the impact. Um, also asking some questions that they might not have considered them themselves can be really helpful. Um, but then you know, when, when you get to, let's say the demo part or, you know, the pitch part of your conversation, if you get to a moment where you don't really know if the thing you're about to tell them is important, ask them, say yeah. like, rather than just plowing through, it's like, Hey, I was going to mention the fact that, you know, there's an online training portal on my website that, that, you know, allows teams to train at their own pace. But before you get into that, like, is, we didn't even talk about that. Is that something that you're looking for? You know, right? Yeah. So you're always yeah. checking back before you proceed to talk about whatever feature with what matters to them. Yeah. Or, you know, that's... you mentioned, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go. Yeah. I mean, like, and I don't actually have an, a learning portal, but I'm just, you know, thinking about <laughs> the, the, the future. You but... should have a learning portal. Yeah. I should have a learning portal. I know that I should, but it's like, let's say, 
um, you know, during discovery, I learned that in-person training is really important. Like virtual training hasn't been sticking, right? Mm -hmm. If there's like a learning portal portion of, of my pitch, I may say something like, you know, earlier you mentioned that it's the in-person piece that's really exciting to you. I'm curious to know, do you imagine that uh, that some degree of of online reinforcement could be helpful or could also move the needle for your team in tandem with in-person? And then if they're like, we, our team hates e-learning, then you're just like, great, I was going to talk about e-learning. Let's skip that. Yeah, totally. It's like, choose your own adventure. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, I love that. And I guess that's where my post was when I was posting about sales process, because you see sometimes, and I've worked in environments where it is, it's like, you do this, then you do this, and then you do this. And I really love what you said. You're right. Like discovery is hap. And that's the thing is it, you need flexibility. And I guess that's what it was for me was flexibility and to be able to kind of do things. And I, and I, and I, and I see so often, um, it's like, Hey, uh, this person's interested. Let's give them a presentation and so one, maybe discovery hasn't been done, which is crazy, but even if it has been done, it's this massive presentation that's given over a 30 or an hour long time. And it's like really a, a presenting your solution should be almost like spoon feeding someone and being like, Hey, how was that bite? Uh, was it good? Did you like it? What didn't you like? And then determining based on how they responded to the first bite, maybe what bite number two or three looks like. And I think that's, I think the way you said it is different, but very similar in sense, right? Am, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like this idea. And we used to talk about this at sales gym, like freedom within a framework. So it's not a script, yeah. mm -hmm. but if you are supposed to be, as I mentioned in that comment, like if you are supposed to be the trusted guide through this process, if you have no idea where you're going, you're not going to be a very reliable guide. Right. So there are these yeah. signposts along in the way where, and I think when it comes to skills development too, if there's no process, it can be near impossible to identify what sellers are doing really well and, and where they could stand to re refine or improve what they're doing. Because then every salesperson on your team, it's not like you're comparing apples to apples. It's like an apple, a banana, and an orange. Like, how do you even hone in, develop these? In a half-eaten mango. Yeah. Half-eaten mango. You want to create a shared vocabulary and a shared map with your sales team. And then if they have to jump, from, you know, their pitch back into their discovery and then back into their pitch, that's okay. But they still need to understand what the landscape is going to look like in order for them to comfortably get to a decision, whether it's yes, buy, no, buy, buy later. Buy later. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, let me ask you a question that I'm actually really curious about. Have you gotten, as you take down, and it's funny, I've had another conversation. I don't know if you follow Corey Clark at all. Um, no. And he's a sales therapist. So um, his thing is focused more on like new sales reps that are overwhelmed, get burnt out and helps them understand their emotions and stuff, which I think is brilliant. And it's kind of the same space. My space is sales um, focused on mental, what I would call mental fitness. So helping to understand the, the a little bit of the science, man, how your brain works. So you can help um, optimize yourself and understand what's going on and, you know, use that to be better at sales. And for you, it's like, the, again, the sense is really focused on authenticity, being a human. So kind of a, a, almost a different approach than maybe some of a lot of other people. Have you gotten, um, maybe not pushback is the right word, but like, do you feel like you're creating something different that is, 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 is new to people and how are they responding to that? 
It's a good question. I mean, so before I popped my head out on LinkedIn, I was like, I have this totally unique perspective on sales that I don't hear any of these 70 year old white men in suits talking about. Like, I'm going to totally. revolutionize how people are. I know exactly what you're saying. Yep. Okay. okay. Then last March or April, I popped my head out on LinkedIn. And I was actually really excited. I was like, wait a second, there is a conversation happening right mm -hmm. now, including like someone like Todd Capone or someone like Josh Braun around being a friggin' human being in your selling. And it's actually much better, in my opinion, to be part of a conversation than to be the lone wolf trying to, to push an industry in a new direction. So what I would say is that this conversation is happening. People are talking about the connection between being more human and authentic and transparent in their selling, how they feel when they're selling better, and how that maps to revenue results more. Uh, so that's the first thing. But I'll also say that, look, I am I am not a flavor for everybody. You know, if you're uh, an, a kind of like aggressive prototypical sales leader who is less interested in the human component, more interested in your tech stack, your cadences, and your KPIs and aren't and aren't interested in seeing how the two can connect because it's not humanity at the expense of revenue. It's humanity and authenticity to grow revenue. But if you're not able to, to connect those dots, like I'm not your sales trainer and that's okay. But what I'm finding is that increasingly the, the folks that are drawn to me, the teams that are drawn to me are like these growth stage startups who have a core mission or a core set of values, and they want to find a way to marry their values with their selling, to not sell their souls, you know, and sell their values down the river and their selling. And that's where I really shine. Totally. Yeah, I definitely, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I get what you said too, because at first you go on, and there are some of those dudes that are like, here's a sales tip today, or heels, you know, do, do this or do that. And it, it's interesting to, See, yeah, people are starting to look at the, I mean, even when you describe, if you're a person that's hyper-focused on metrics and not considering the human, like nowadays, it's like people like that are becoming like the fact that you would say, yeah, that's me. It's like, why would I ever want to work for that guy or that girl or whoever it is, you know? I mean, that's a big part too of what is exciting me now. You know, when I started spring training, I, I was focusing first on individual sellers, then sales teams, focusing on reframing what specific sales skills are. And I, you know, the skills that I teach, they're not just like, be human, be authentic. It's like frameworks for your agenda, frameworks for effective objection handling. So things that you can do that all map back to Fun, you know, fundamental human behavior. But what I'm also increasingly interested in, and I'm going to be doing some work around, is sales culture. Because I've been mm -hmm. on a sales team, my very first sales team, the culture was very lackluster, very uninspired. Then we got a sales leader who radically transformed how we felt, how we worked. Our, our revenue grew 400% under his leadership. Something was happening with him and under his watch. Then he left and our sales team sank again, and the, the culture was lost. And a big part of what I want to help sales teams do is not only develop sales skills, but develop really sustaining cultures where ongoing learning and skills development is important so that people love where they are, are always learning, and because of how they feel in their work and because of how adept they are, because they're, they're practicing and growing, uh, get better selling results as well. So it's a kind of ecosystem, Joe. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think, if you had to pick one or two things that sales leader did that helped you guys just dramatically change, what did he, I think you said it was he, what did he implement that looking back now, you're like, wow, that's a game changer. Yeah. So I think there were, there were, I mean, there were so many things, but the top two, the first one was allowing us to be ourselves on the phone with our prospects. Because I remember before he came, I don't even know how I spoke, but we were selling to galleries. Galleries are traditionally very elitist and snooty. And I'd be like, I mean, I, I didn't put on an English accent, but I mean, I was so, I was like, oh, hello. Yes. You know, so artsy. I mean, I just, it's like, I put on the version of myself that I thought these galleries would respond to. And what that led to was a vacuum of personality and deprived both me and my prospects of any meaningful connection and therefore trust and sales. Um, so bringing myself into the sales conversation was huge. The other piece, which was utterly transformative, was he created a coaching culture. So what he would do, I remember we'd all be in the sales pit. So before him, we all took our pitch calls privately in phone booths. He forced us all to take them in the pit publicly so we could all hear each other and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. And then as we got off the phone, he'd be like, Jordana, I loved such and such a thing. Or next time, why don't you try this? And all of a sudden, all of us were hearing feedback, wow. listening to each other, and then started to get up the guts to say, hey, like Andy, I heard this really great job. One thing I noticed was, and it took the onus on coaching off of him, though he was a remarkable coach, and turned us all into these player coaches. And that created a really, really dynamic environment of like learning, growing, taking risks, experimenting, being open to feedback that was utterly transformative. And that is a big part of what I'm looking to start to help uh, sales teams do for themselves. I love that. Wow. Yeah, yeah that really resonates. Um, okay. So before the coach of me has a couple of questions about you before we kind of okay. round this thing out. Yeah. Um, so I talked to you and I can just, um, you got a strong thing about you. It's confidence, but you, you can tell you're quite comfortable with yourself. Um, how do you, and I, I think, and the reason why I bring this up is because I think when we talk about authenticity and all that sort of stuff, like, like that really starts with inner confidence and being comfortable with who you are. And then you can bring that out to other people. But if you're constantly beating yourself up. So on a personal level, I know we talked before, one of the words you drop is meditation. I don't know if that's part of this or not, but what are things you do to help um, strengthen your core, your soul, that sort of thing? That's such a, so therapy. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been done in therapy that. for like a, for over a, a decade and that has been utterly transformative. Meditation is important. Um, what type of meditation do you do? I do TM. So transcendental meditation. Okay. I've, it's funny, you know, when I first learned it, cause you're supposed to do it 20 minutes twice a day. I never missed a day for like a year and a half. And then I missed one day. I was hardly ever able to do it twice a day ever again after that. It's like, I, I had lived to tell the tale of missing a day and I kind of fell off the wagon. So it's an ongoing battle of like really creating the time and space to meditate. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, it's such a good question. Like I used to, and I've told the story before um, on a podcast, but I really used to believe, Joe, that the only way that I would be accepted and received in the world is if I presented myself as a finished product. Like I had all my shit together. Mm. Can I, can I swear on this? Yeah, podcast? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I had all my Whatever shit Whatever you do, together. do not swear. That, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I knew all the answers. And... That deprived me 
of being received fully, like like the parts of myself that didn't have all the answers being received. It also deprived me of a lot of mentorship because I presented myself as, as someone that didn't need help. Mm. Long story short, um, as I was making a career transition from seller to full-time coach, I worked with a career coach of my own who helped me to tap into my curiosity. And what I mean by that is helped me to realize that not having all the answers doesn't mean you're a lost loser. (laughs) It means you're a human being. And that seeking out answers is like powerful as, as anything, like not having answers and then being like, but I really want to learn that's like the opposite of being a loser. That's amazing. So I started in my, in working with him to interact with the world a little differently where I was more open about the, the parts of myself that didn't have the answers and was figuring it out. And what I found is that contrary to my deepest fears prior to working with him, like I was still being received. I was still being accepted. And I was, I essentially practice showing up in the world. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And in every conversation there were I was being vulnerable essentially. And in being received in that vulnerability, that gave me more and more confidence to show more parts of myself. Um, Sometimes I have days where I don't feel so confident, but I think that's been a very, very big part of my own kind of coming out, if you will, as me. Yeah. Finding yourself. I mean, it it, it really is. Vulnerability is a massive thing and it's, um, you know, you said something before we started recording, we we're talking about like doing like LinkedIn posting and you're like, once you flop the first time and you realize it's not that big of a deal, uh, it's kind of a good approach for life too, in a sense. It's kind of like when you're vulnerable and it's like one, like people really appreciate that and they, um, they, you know, not sympathy is not the right word, but empathy could be the right word is just to say, you know, you can Connection. find up. Em- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Connection is a better word. Um, it's a good in it's, it's funny because it's just so often um, vulnerability is thought of as like, you know, not being strong, but really like it is like the strength, like it is the confidence. Like if you can be vulnerable, like you have a lot of strength and confidence. And that's, that's, that's certainly how I look at it. Cause it's hard to do those things. It's hard to, to be real. And so, um, yeah, that's, it's, that's cool. It's funny. We often admire vulnerability in other people and reject it in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And require it of other people. Like, and I could speak <laughs> even in my relationship with my wife. It's the same thing. Like communicate, say how you feel. And it's like, well, it's, it's a two way street, you know? And I think sometimes you're right. Yeah. We, uh, we do forget that. Um, if people want to learn more about spring training, want to learn more about you, where, where would you point them? So LinkedIn, most of the things happen on LinkedIn. I, I post a lot of videos and, and content whenever I feel inspired, not on a calendar. Um, also spring training with two eyes.com is my website. And I'd say that for any individual sellers who are looking to feel better and be more effective about their work and who are interested in one-on-one coaching, I'd love to talk with them. Um, and for any sales leaders who are looking to have more human, happier, and more effective teams, I'd be curious to hear about what's going on. I would be happy to talk about how I might be able to support. Cool, cool. Um, and I'll just leave it with, uh, and I'm sure this won't leave because I'm sure you'll have a response to this, but yeah, coaching really does help. Uh, and this is, you know, of course, we get two coaches on here, but it's, it's, uh, it's amazing that 
people reject it sometimes in the sense because they partly because they think they have it figured out, partly because they think it's a gimmick, partly because whatever else that I'm not bringing up. But it's amazing how much we get stuck in our own heads and how much we believe the stories that we tell ourselves and having someone there to just support you through that process, um, even if it's only one off, um, is is really useful. And the more I try and get out of my comfort zone and grow and stuff, the more you see value in a coach. So I would just say that, um, you know, what you're doing is great stuff. It's really awesome. Thank you. Look, Tiger Woods, I mean, I know he's been in an accident recently, but top sports players, just because they're at the top of their game, mm-hmm. they don't fire their coach. They have coaches too. So no matter you know, no matter what level you're at, if you're just starting out or if you feel like you've really got it down, I'm with you. Coaching is powerful. All right. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. Uh, that episode... Not really in content, just in kind of the feeling I had when I did it. It reminded me of the episode I did with Corey Clark a little while back. Um, A lot of these episodes, um, there's so much to learn. And I'm talking to people that are, uh, obviously we're both in, we're, we're in sales, but we're, we take different approaches to sales and we look at things different way. And I talk to certain people that we just resonate in a lot of different levels and we look at things very similarly. And uh, Corey was one of those people and uh, Giordano was one of those people, certainly. And when I normally like start out, I talk a little bit about the person and uh, I kind of ended this episode really talking to her about the person she was. And you just really feel her kind of confidence come through very comfortable in her skin. And that's good because she's a coach to help people become more comfortable in her skin. I mean, it's really uh, one of the catch lines I got when I was listening to the episode was bringing yourself into the sales conversation. And you could tell um, Jordana does a good job of that, certainly in our conversation. And uh, I'm sure with her clients and uh, helps bring that out for her clients to do with their clients because it's a really important part of sales. So today's feedback, today's takeaways from the episode are really centered around that Uh, authenticity and vulnerability because I think they're not talked about um, enough. Uh, But to be fair, and again, I'll go back to our conversation, they're starting to be talked about a lot more. Uh, and I can give you a really good example today. Every morning I, I've, I do my post on LinkedIn weekdays and then I, the, the playbook for this and how to grow your LinkedIn, uh, account is to do a post every day, create content every day that people will like and enjoy and all that stuff. But then I've talked about this before, 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after 10 minutes before 10 minutes, whatever you want to be engaging with people while your content drops. So effectively, uh, you know, you're going back and forth, you post on their stuff, they respond to you, then all of a sudden, boom, they see your stuff and they're kind of inclined to do the same. And you know, you kind of grow mutually. And so I, I had, a, I had a couple different conversations today centered around, um, empathy in sales in authenticity in sales. And the things that were coming up were just the fact generally that, um, and uh, Jordana talked actually, this is what kind of sparked my, my, uh, my remembering on this was, she talked a little bit about the fact that someone says that AI is gonna replace humans. Uh, and I don't think it will um, if you're an empathetic and authentic salesperson because to, to date, and who knows what the future brings, of course, but um, computers can't do that. But if you're someone who's going to go in there and you're going to ask someone a couple different questions and based on their response, you ask them this, or based on that response, you ask them this. And we talk about that kind of person in this episode. Um, 
Well, then, yeah, the, you can be replaced by a computer very, very easily. But if you can really listen to some, someone's response and understand their body language and what they're saying, kind of reading between the lines and present yourself in a way that is comfortable, which allows them to be comfortable, which allows them to open up and talk to you and you to really present a solution that, in uh, Jortana said it great, it either works or it doesn't work. And if it works, you tell them. If it doesn't work, you tell them and perhaps recommend someone else. So the ability to do that and really dive into that kind of emotional intelligence of the whole thing and um, that authentic approach to really trying to help someone, that that's not going to go away. And when you look at what Jordana's doing, growing her business, she's going to be really successful because of that, because that's what her focus is. And um, maybe I'll start, I had kind of three points. One was authenticity, one was vulnerability, and the, and the last one was sales process. And I'm actually going to start with sales process because it's really interesting. Um, when you hear her when you hear her talk and you hear us talk, you know, I, I could talk all day with her not about sales and just about vulnerability in life. And um, it's a coaching thing in me. Uh, it's I learned so much. I didn't know how to be authentic um, I didn't know how to be vulnerable, and I learned how to be a lot of those things. And uh, well, I'm still far from great at them. It's really changed my life, and uh, the people that I've worked with, I pushed them to do the same, and I've seen changes similarly for them. Um, so we could talk about all those things. But the question, really, in this in this kind of season of the podcast, is how does this relate back to sales? And I was really impressed because. Um, you could tell Jordana's just done such a good job of, like she talks about, she has all these different frameworks, a framework for prospecting or cold calling or uh, discovery or presenting solutions, but they're all living in this broader framework of bringing yourself into the sale of being an authentic person. And um, it's, it's funny because if you can buy into this, it kind of makes sales a lot easier because you can just be yourself. You can just be honest. And you could just really focus on the other person. And when you get nervous, you get unsure. I mean, I'm not, sh I'm not, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're nervous and you want to tell a prospect you're nervous, tell them you're nervous. I mean, cool. Um, I don't know that they'll hate you for that, but, um, or that they won't buy from you for that. That's kind of, I guess, depends on the situation and how it goes. But generally speaking, um, in most cases, if you could be uh, forthcoming, um, and genuinely come from a place of caring about really trying to help them. And that's a hard place to come from sometimes when you're in sales and you're under a lot of pressure. Uh, and we talk about that a little bit too is, um, you know, how is this work in practice versus just um, in theory? But I was really impressed with her response to that and the approach. A lot of things she talks about is how she, she does bring this back to sales um, and how it loops back to how you can take the really focus on the human focus on authenticity and still grow your revenues and in many cases way more revenues because I talked a lot about this with the episode with Corey Clark is because people aren't getting overwhelmed they're not quitting they're not miserable they're not feeling like they need to pretend they're someone else you can only pretend you're someone else for so long in in sales or in life before you get sick of it and in life when you're sick of it there's a lot of things that can happen but in sales when you're sick of it you probably just quit your job so I think that's fantastic uh, I also liked when we talked about authenticity, some of the ways that she kind of broke it down and I already kind of alluded to this here just a couple minutes ago, but, um, you sit there, you run someone through a sales process and you look out for them and their best interest. Um, and at the end of it, she talked about, is it a fit or not? And if it is great, this is why I think it's a fit based on what you told me, based on what we talked about. What do you think? Do you think it's a fit? And if not, why? And if yes, okay, well, what do we do to get this thing rolling? Um, but if you don't think it's a fit and you have the courage to be authentic about that, be transparent about that, um, that's going to build a lot of credibility with a customer. 
It's really hard to do, really hard to do. Um, I know that that's the right thing to do. It's not a matter of, I don't think this is necessarily a matter of lying to a customer as much of it is, is, um, hey, you know, I don't know if it's going to work out. Great. But hey, I don't know if it's going to work out. Here's what I think you should do. Goes a long way with people. Uh, builds a lot of good juju. Uh, and um, that really hit me when we talked. God, it's been a month and a half ago now. Just the idea of if it's not a fit, recommend something that is. And if you could start getting in the habit of doing that, um, particularly if you're doing a good job in discovery early on and you really realize, you know, so often we assume that we get to, um, we have an initial conversation, then we have a discovery call, and then we put together a presentation, and then after the presentation we go to for, into the closing, and that's, again, it, there is certainly process, but it doesn't always work like that. It doesn't take that long to realize that someone's not a fit either. It's not like you've done a whole presentation and they say, oh, I don't like it. That sometimes happens, but more often than not, you can have a realize in the first 10, 15 minutes of a conversation that, huh, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. Um, so you can end it there or you can just go the next step. Be authentic. Be transparent. Tell them that it's not going to work and then recommend them to someone else. Um, and what could even be better is to, if you don't know someone else to recommend them to, then you find out a week later, so send them an email because you damn well bet if you do something like that, they're going to be coming, they're going to be thinking of you and, um, when the time's right and certainly reaching back out to you. So that's the authenticity piece, piece, piece. Uh, we dove into vulnerability too. I thought that was great. Um, you know, again, I kind of stole all my thunder in my first part of this rant, but just tell them the truth about where you're at. Uh, I really loved her, um, Jordana's discussion around when she was in coaching, when she got her own coach and they helped her become comfortable presenting herself as an unfinished product. I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, no one does that well at all. You know, uh, one of the best quotes that, that, I, really, uh, that I, I liked from this episode was we offer, we often admire vulnerability in, in others, um, but, we, but we reject it in ourselves. And that's so true is when we see someone that's vulnerable, um, we see someone that shows up as an unfinished prod product and it's just straight up with about it. You know, it doesn't mean you show up with, I, sometimes the thing that popped in my head is like, I'll show up as an unfinished product with your unbuttoned clothes and it, as a mess. It's not showing up as a mess. It's just showing up as someone that says, hey, I'm here and I want to learn. I want to figure this out. Um, and I don't know and I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to do what you tell me to do and I'm going to work hard and figure it out and come and report back and all those things. I mean... How could you ever hate on someone for doing that? Um, and even in a sales call, when you come in and you're like, hey, I really want to earn your business. Um, that sounds cliche, maybe. And I'm not saying that you say that, but you come from that perspective, right? Like you really want to help you. You want to help them out. You want to earn their business. You want to do right by them. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. You want to do right by them. Um, and if you don't have an answer or you don't know, um, or you feel a certain way about something, tell them. Tell the truth. Uh, present yourself as unfinished. And give yourself, that's an opportunity. Hey, I don't know the answer. I'm going to go find it out. You know how many people say they're going to go find the, I don't know the answer and I'm going to go find out in a sales call and then don't, you, you, never, hear from, you never hear from them again? Excuse me. Quite a few. So be different. Um, you know, it was interesting actually. This just re resonated with me today. Again, I was on LinkedIn and I watched this video of a guy. Uh, how can I paraphrase this so this isn't like a 10-minute story because his video was 10 minutes. But effectively, a company, hired, company had a top performer that was outselling all their reps. And he was at, the guy was absolutely killing it. And so the company went to him and was like, hey, what's your process? And he's like, hey, I just go out there and do my thing. I go out there and I, you know, take care of the customer and I sell them. 
So they couldn't figure out what's this guy doing? How do we extricate what he's doing so we could take it to our other sales reps? And um, so they hired this, this, this sales trainer, sales guy to go follow the guy around. And he's like, you know, I had the same conversation with him. He's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I just show up. So he's like, we walk into the first client and um, we're walking through, guy sells telecommunications. So we're walking through and looking at the different equipment and the, in the, um, they were in like the headquarters. So that was where all the communications equipment was. And they were looking at all the different equipment and um, the guy's like, oh, that's a nice, this is the sales guy that's really good now talking to his prospect. And then this is the, the guy kind of narrating who now I'm narrating on behalf of him is the uh, sales trainer that, they, that his company hired. So the, the actual guy that's on the sales call is in there and um, he's like, oh yeah, that's great product. That's a great product. Um, that's good. And then and he looks at another product and he goes, wow, that's a piece of shit. <laughs> and um, And the guy's like the prospect kind of looked at him and he kind of put his head down and he was like, yeah, we didn't do a good job on that buying decision. He said the guy didn't say it in a bad way. He didn't say it in a disrespect. He just said it in a very authentic way of just, here's what I see. Here's who I am. Here's what you get. Um, everything's great here, but here's something that's not great. And, and clearly I think another short lesson in this, another kind of micro lesson is the guy clearly knew his stuff. He was an expert on the product. He understood what he was talking about. He knew it. Um, so in that, if nothing else positions himself as an expert because he knows his stuff, but also builds a lot of credibility with the prospect. He's like, he just watched like him and the prospect just kind of connect right there. Like they connected like, Hey man, you got great stuff, but that's not great stuff. The guy's like, yeah, we could have done better. And you could see the bond, the bond they felt because the real him came out really quickly. And, um, it just really brought me back to this, this idea of bringing yourself into the sales conversation. And what does that look like? Um, and really it goes beyond, it is a sales call, but it's funny you know, it's no secret that I'm trying to build up my, my kind of LinkedIn presence and awareness and trying to build my own business really, you know, through like a playbook. And there'll be more information on that as my podcast kind of transcends here over the next month or so. But um, it's it's really hard to be authentic, right? Like I'll sit there on a Sunday night and I need to tr- develop five authentic pieces of content. What do I think? Like, what do I believe? What do I really feel? Like, what do I want to tell people? What do I think is important about sales when you're new to sales? Um, and I know all those things. I genuinely know them and I feel them, but it's hard to get them out because you just, there's this like filter inside of us that says, no, 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 we need to act a different way. I mean, it's the ego, it's the saboteur. Um, and when I go to post on other people's content, I think, well, how do other people post on content? How should I post? And then eventually, you know, and I'm starting to say to myself, you start to just kind of open up and say, well, this is what I think. This is what I'm going to say. If they don't like it, they don't like it. So I, I think it's just so, um, it, I guess what I've seen about that really practical advice here is you just got to do it and you got to keep doing it. Um, and you're not going to be Mr. Authentic or Mrs. Authentic the first time, but if you stick with it, you will be the 10th time. And if not the 10th, maybe the 15th and maybe the 5th. So it's just a matter of really getting yourself out there um, and continuing to do it. And that's why I wanted to talk to Jordan. I go, what do you do to get to this point? You know, you could tell, like she says, just like everyone else, we have good days and bad days. But, um, you know, therapy worked for her. Seeing a coach worked for her. Clearly invest in herself. You know, this isn't, people that do well, it's not, it's not an accident that they kind of figure it out, right? They, they, they put themselves out there. They, they, they're vulnerable. They show up as an unfinished product. And then they 
don't just stay unfinished. They work on finishing themselves. And of course, we never finish ourselves, but we, we evolve. And as we evolve, we grow and we get better. And we're not the person we started at. But you need to get the party started. You need to get things going. And step one really is showing up as that unfinished product. Um, uh, unfinished version of yourself. So as you guys could tell, I could talk all day about this. I just think it's a great episode. I think um, at the end of the day, another kind of thing that Jordana talked about is just the fact that it's like, hey, just, you know, a lot of the things that really work when we're developing like relationships with people are like things that don't get brought into sales because we don't, we think it's like almost taboo when like you can just be yourself and see what happens and you're not everyone's cup of tea, but you will be some people's cup of tea. And if you're, and if yourself is a good genuine person that wants to do the best by their customers, which most people are, most people are good genuine people. Sometimes we get confused because we get a lot of pressure. Um, and you know, we got to learn to deal with pressure and we got to learn to work through it and create an environment where we don't have as much pressure because we can do the things we know we should do to get ahead in our number on our number. Um, little Boston accent slipped out there, but anyway, enough on this rant. Last thing, the bonus, a little, I have a little bonus thing I say about each one. And one of the bonuses I got from this is the idea you can let your prospect choose your own, choose their own adventure. And that goes back to discovery, uh, in the presentation. So it's a sense of, you know, Here's what I kind of heard. Um, here's what I think makes sense. What do you think? Do you want to talk about this? Or are you more interested in more about this? Present options and let them pick. Let them kind of build their own presentation. It's a really interesting thought because I, I th- sat through. It was, I would highly recommend if you had the opportunity to take any incoming sales call from people. If you're not inundated and you're someone who's trying to get better at sales and just listen to someone else sell to you. And most people aren't good at it. So what you'll probably find is just people come, they, they're scripted and they just stuff stuff down your throat and you don't realize how similar you are to them sometimes. And this choose your own adventure thing is really a great way of just breaking, breaking down a presentation and just giving people choice in a sense. Hey, I think this might be interesting to you, but we don't really talk about it. I'm kind of really quoting Jordan. We don't really talk about it. Is this of interest? Do you want to talk about this? No. Okay, great. Or yeah. Is there something I didn't bring up that you do want to talk about? Like, put some onus on them. We we feel like we owe something every time we sit down with a project. We owe them all this value. And we owe them. It's a conversation. People just want to talk about themselves. Really, that's all people want to do. That's all you want to do. Someone calls you to sell you. You feel like yes. Now since they're selling me, I get to talk about myself. And yeah, and then they talk the whole time. You're like, oh god, let let, let them talk, man. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll be back next week with another. Another great one. And in the meantime, if you guys have any have any feedback, love to hear from you. Have a great day.